Ah, cripes, is it time for another cripes cast? What's going on? Holy smokes. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cripes Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. My guest this week is Commander Jason Johns of the Wisconsin VFW. He is a Purple Heart recipient. He's an attorney who works with uh, a lot of veterans as well, uh, helps them get their benefits and a whole slew of other things. Uh, and also, he's just a great dude to talk to when it comes to um, how non-military people or civilians, you know, interact with those who have served veterans, those currently serving. Uh, He gave real good insight on, you know, the questions to ask, the questions not to ask. Uh, And I think that'll be really interesting uh, because here's what I think happens. And and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't know uh, how to approach a veteran uh, who who has served. I mean, you want to show your gratitude, but you, you don't want to be condescending or flippant. And uh, so there's not necessarily uh, that knowledge of how to approach the conversation of, you know, do I say thank you for your service or is that now what they want me to say? And Jason does a, a great job of breaking this down. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as you listen to him, you gain a lot of insight on what life is like for those currently serving and uh, those who have uh, returned. And I think the more knowledge you have on this issue just helps you kind of get more interested in, you know, veterans issues as you read them in the paper. And, you know, the more knowledge we all have collectively, the more um, uh, help and assistance we can give and respect we can give to those who serve the country. So I think everyone will uh, get something out of this interview. And uh, also thanks to everybody who reached out after last week's podcast, uh, where we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement. And, um, you know, it, it's a it's a tough topic, I think, for a lot of people. But, you know, I feel like if you're going to argue against black lives mattering, you know, that can't be something we stand for uh, in the Midwest. So, um, and, you know, and and I went into this in more detail in that podcast. So if you just heard me say that and you're like, uh, he supports, uh, you know, a, a terrorist, socialist, communist organization. That's not true. Uh, but thanks for playing. But listen to the podcast uh, if you haven't already. I, you know, I, I just tried to lay it out in there. And a lot of you gave me a lot of good feedback on that. And some of you even said you share it with family members and they they changed, you know, their perspective on on, um, you know, the way this is currently framed in the media is you're either on the Black Lives Matter side or you're on the side of the police. That, that's a false choice. It's it's not true. You can say Black Lives Matter and you can also say, you know, I respect the police. These are not mutually exclusive <clears throat> things in our society, despite the fact, um, you know, that's an election year and people want to make it as such. But anyway, so thank you all for uh, listening, commenting. Uh, I really do appreciate you. And uh, all right, it, it, we got a nice, a nice, long, fun interview here. So everybody, uh, listen up. Uh, here's Commander Jason Johns. So how you been? Where are you right now? I am at uh, our new office here at Oregon, in Oregon, Wisconsin, just outside of Madison. There, yeah. I always uh, thought uh, they should do an Oregon Trail. You know, <laughs> the Wisconsin version. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh. dear guy, you died of dysentery. Dysentery. <laughs> However, you say. Oh, sorry, guy, you died at the mumps, you know? Yep. Did you ever play that game? 
Oh yeah. Heck yeah. On the old two E and then you try to hunt, you had to get the deer. Remember you had to just hit that button, right? Yeah. 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 Were you, did you like skip ahead just to do the hunting games? Yes, That's kind of what much. I did. No, is it, it? like, do you want to buy food to uh, feed your family or do you want to buy more ammunition? <laughs> uh, more ammunition. <laughs> well, seems like a pretty easy answer there. Obviously we're going for the ammunition. <laughs> right. Right. You can feed your family that way. Yeah, exactly. It's an investment in uh, your family's Sunday dinners right there. Um, cool. So, uh, so what have you been up to recently? You know, we've been busy getting ready for uh, kicking off really our membership stuff recruitment this year. And then, of course, with different programs getting going on, I was mentioning there. But we've also been, um, we got a district meeting that's going to start coming up here in the fall. So getting out and about and making sure you know, everybody's doing okay, right, with COVID and, you know, some counties, some of our posts are able to meet, some are just doing virtual, um, you know, which is great. We're getting, actually, I think once we're actually able to meet in person again, we're going to be encouraging people to still do virtual as well, just because mm-hmm. some folks can't get there, you know, younger people are working during, you know, perhaps got kids at home, whatever it is. But at the same time, then, right, Part of what the VFW is, is the whole camaraderie and checking in on each other. And so, you know, there's some folks that you haven't heard from in a while because they haven't been leaving the house. They can't get to meetings. There is no meetings, right? Um, at least in person. So I'm going to do a, do a little welfare check on folks here over the next couple months. So, Yeah, and that that actually may be the answer to my next question, which is, you know, COVID hits so many unique groups differently um how would you say COVID is specifically affecting veterans uh you know honestly it it goes to the the mental health of things is what i'm seeing um i know in general population in general right everybody's mentally somewhat a little different here after the quarantine and and the the socialization of everything Mm -hmm. but especially veterans from that perspective you know where um one of the big things that vfw provides is that network again is that purpose and a mission you get together with fellow veterans and you're supporting each other but you're also you know in person right but you're also then working on stuff together to help other veterans to help the post and and that's been missing the last six months and then that's having an effect on on people too for sure and maybe at this point you can just say um what the vfw uh does i know you do so many things but as you know, tightly as you could kind of sum it up just for our audience who doesn't quite know at this point. You bet. So VFW uh, stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. It was formed in 1898. Uh, A bunch of Spanish-American war veterans had come home. We're looking for a way to unite and and do some things together, support each other. And over the years, then, you know, different departments is how it works. You got the national level then you got the department level, and within the department level, you've got the post step within each state. And it's all interconnected, of course, but each post has a commander. Then you got in Wisconsin, we have 10 districts. Each district has a commander that kind of oversees those posts. And then uphill to the state commander and junior vice, senior vice officers there, and then national. And what we do for each other is uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of it is bringing a lot of camaraderie together, support for each other. But then we have numerous programs, uh, you know, that we'll talk about some more in a little bit. But there's financial assistance programs, there's patriotic programs working within the community, 
uh, with Voice of Democracy and um, Patriots Pen, which are kind of <clears throat> essay and speaking contests for for kids. Mm. Uh, really, kind of um, you know, be able to show what America means to them. A question changes every year, but there's scholarships given out for those winners. There, we've got um, obviously the different programs with regards to um, unmet needs, which you've been helping us with with the with the Quick Relief Fund, and you know. In other words, it's a, if you're going to sum it up best for your listeners, I would say, you know, it's veterans helping veterans and staying connected. Staying Definitely. Connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, a bunch of the man talk man fans helped raise a bunch of money, um, you know, over the past couple of years for the VFW. Um, and can you explain where that money, uh, went? Absolutely. So the Wisconsin has an unmet needs fund, um, as has had for years, um, we've renamed that now. We're revamping the marketing of that. We're calling it the Quick Relief Fund. Uh, for those military folks out there, they'll know that stands for QRF, which is Quick Reactionary Force. Uh, you know, when you're uh, in the military, you're overseas. Uh, if you find yourself in trouble, whether with the enemy, uh, generally with the enemy, you need to call in more help. That'd be the Quick Reactionary Force, which is hopefully posted nearby in different zones. And so point of the the program we have here with our QRF, which Charlie, you've been fantastic on, uh, 20 grand already this year. So thank you and your listeners. I know with the masks, um, but what that does is, you know what, gets rid of a lot of the red tape. You got a veteran um, who's uh, falling behind on their bills, quality of life bills, you know, necessity of life bills, you know, pay the mortgage, uh, pay the rent, pay the car payment, uh, those things you need, right, to make a living, support your family, keep a roof over your head. Um, it'll allow you to apply for that and we can get a grant up to $1,500 within a few days. Uh, so it's really meant to help you out, give you a hand up at the, you know, kind of those times to get you to the next step. And uh, obviously it's a grant. There's no need to pay that back. It's not a loan, so on and so forth. So your listeners, when they, when they, when you put, put out there about the Unmet Needs Fund, the QRF, and they buy those masks and they bought other merch from you. That's where it's going. That's going to keep, we just had a woman uh, here in Madison, woman veteran. She was this close to being homeless, so far behind on her rent, she was going to get evicted. And, uh, you know, we want to prevent homelessness, not just go out and help the homeless. If, if we can prevent it before it happens, right, that's the goal. And so we were able to help her keep a roof over her head. She was so grateful Then she was able to use additional money for some groceries and other things. So she's, uh, and now she's, she's doing great. So that's right. just one example. Just one example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and why, um, you know, we hear a lot about uh, veterans having a difficult time uh, finding work sometimes. Uh, or uh, what? why do you think that sort of becomes an issue? And what could people out there who are looking to hire maybe uh, think about uh, when they're thinking who to hire? Maybe they hire a veteran. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So fortunately, and you're absolutely right, um, wasn't that long ago, the veterans unemployment rate was higher than the, the normal unemployment rate for, for non-veterans. And so veterans groups like the VFW and a lot of different state and federal programs really started focusing on showing employers, look, they're already trained, right? There's a work ethic there. There's a mission orientation that, you know, you can't go wrong with, right? And there's also different programs for employers to help with, with showing them, get these, get these men and women in the door, you won't be sorry. And I'll tell you, it's been really good turning that attitude around. 
Um, but obviously, there's always more we can do. And what I would tell employers and, and others is, you know, it's not a guessing game. You know, for instance, uh, you know, the military population is reflection of a civilian, but at the same time, there's an additional kind of work ethic there. There's a not wanting to let your buddy down, and that's gonna that applies in the workplace. And so, you know, nine times out of ten, you're not gonna go wrong with hiring a veteran for sure. It's great. Um, yeah, and I think it it just helps for people to sort of you know, I I think sometimes when you're thinking of hiring, you don't often you're just like let's you know see who's out there, but you know that active approach to um to looking specifically for a veteran can oftentimes help um you know just make your life easier because they'll they'll do an outstanding job um what would dirty verse done you know being on time right being Mm -hmm. making sure if they don't get there the ball gets dropped you know in in a in a real life situation somebody you know it could be a lot worse situation so absolutely absolutely what what is your story when when did you uh you went into the military in 2003 is that correct uh i'd actually that was when i went to iraq Okay. Um, so I, I uh, had enlisted in uh, Guard Reserves right out of high school. Um, I had, <laughs> I originally planned on, I knew I wanted to, at a younger age, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to go in the military, but I also wanted to become an attorney, right? And so I met with a recruiter, sophomore, freshman, sophomore year in high school. So 1990, 1991. And uh, they said, perfect. We got JAG scholarships. We'll pay for law college and law school, and then uh, give us a commission. We'll commission you to give us six years in the JAG Corps. Well, then that TV show, you remember that TV show JAG that was on CBS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, not at all realistic to what uh, <laughs> JAG officers do. They're not flying fighter jets and uh, knocking down doors, you know, like the infantry does. But uh, so, anyway, that show had come out, made it real popular, and there was a lot of attorneys that wanted to go into that. And so they weren't offering the, the assistance to do so. And, uh, you know, I was the oldest of five kids and I was on my own to pay for school. So, uh, joined the guard reserves and decided I'm going to go get the seven years of school done rather than four years military, then the seven years of school. Um, and so, yeah. And then I finished all that up in, uh, one and literally moved to Washington DC in August of one. And was living in Arlington. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. obviously 9-11 happened the next month. Right. Uh, how did that impact you as someone who, who just signed up? You know, I'll tell you, it, it, it angered me. I was, uh, I'd actually already done six years in and was looking to get out. Um, and then when I saw, I mean, I watched the Pentagon burn. I went up to the hill there and I was looking at it, you know, within minutes of it happening. And it just, it stuck with me and made me angry. And um, it was uh, less than a year later, I was re-enlisting, left my law job and um, was uh, joining an old unit of mine. And then in Feb 03, we, uh, we were mobilized for active duty over pre-invasion. And then we got over there um, in April. So, yep. And I think, um, uh, you know, a lot of times I think people, civilians don't often know how to, um, talk to veterans, I guess, about their service overseas, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask, what would be offensive. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like you're, uh, 
maybe guidelines? Do you not care at all? Uh, or what's sort of a reflection of how your average veteran uh, would take to certain questions being asked? Sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, the dumbest one to ask is, did you kill anybody? Mm. That'd be number <laughs> one, folks. Okay, that would be number one. Don't ask it, okay? Please don't think it, but you know, if you're going to think it, definitely don't let it come out of your mouth, okay? Put a beer in your mouth. Don't let that question come out. Okay, real good. <laughs> yeah, other than that one, honestly, you know, it was one of those things, too. It kind of, you know, you kind of want to gauge, you know, did they just get home? Is everything still fresh? Is they going through a tough time? Um, you know, myself personally, it was one of those things where you, you didn't really talk about it, but there wasn't a lot of people asking about it either. Right. And mm -hmm. but as I got more involved in the veterans advocacy world, got involved with the VFW, uh, was attending more things and helping out. Right. The questions come up. And, you know, uh, I was talking with an old friend of mine, his Vietnam vet. He said for years he wouldn't talk about it. Right. But that was because everybody was despising the Vietnam War. And it wasn't until after the welcome home that my generation got after Iraq, you know, and during Afghanistan, that he's finally, he's proud to talk about it, right? So don't, don't ever be afraid to say, hey, you know what, thanks for your service. Do you mind, you mind telling me a little bit about it? You know, you don't have to get into details, you know, just where were you? When were you there? You know, uh, how, how's it feel? How'd it feel to come home? Those sorts of things. So um, no, really, you know, I don't want people to think, one thing I want your listeners to know for sure is don't ever be afraid to ask a veteran about their service, right? Um, we're not ready to go off. There's no popping going on there. And, you know, don't be worried about, you know, does he have PTSD or not, as a lot of us do. Um, a lot of us, too, have come to see it as a badge of honor, right? It means, it means we've done something. And um, we're happy to, to share those stories. And, in fact, you'll hear a lot more and more veterans now wishing we uh, heard those stories more given, you know, as a uniting thing of our country and, and with everything going on and just being able to, to recognize what, what everybody's done. So. And, and saying, thank you for your service. Does that, um, come across ever as a trite thing to say? Um, or is that always an appreciative like way for folks to get into the conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it depends. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's an obligatory thank you for your service as you're walking by on an escalator. Yeah. You know, if you look, if, if the person looks you right in the eyes, shakes your hand and, and well, maybe nowadays fist bumps and elbows. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, the, the air high five. Air yeah. high five. Put her up there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Thank you for your service. Here's COVID. Uh, no, uh, it's, um, you know, if it's genuine like that, a lot of times, yeah, it means a lot. And you'll, You'll see too a lot of veterans, myself included. It's thank you for saying so, is the response, mm -hmm. right? Uh, another good thing too, if people aren't sure on that, just say welcome home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, thanks for what you did. Welcome home. Yeah, whether it, yeah. Was, whether it was ten months ago, ten years ago, forty years ago, you know, everybody likes to hear that too, for sure. That's great. Um, and so, what was it you were doing uh, in Iraq? Mm -hmm. So I was with the Common Engineer Unit. And we did a lot of support, force protection. Uh, we built up, so in other words, kind of your police stations, your uh, security safe houses, a lot of the bases that they were just building up, the um, forward operating bases. Uh, we, we helped take care of a lot of the um, Castina, the force protection, security bomb bless, 
So the Heskel, I don't know if you heard of the Heskel barriers, mm-hmm. uh, they're basically just a big basket that's got kind of metal grating around it. You fill it with sand to try and stop, uh, you know, the fragments coming in from bomb blast, stop vehicles. Uh, we did uh, numerous checkpoints. We manned different checkpoints. Uh, a little bit of everything, really, in 03, you know, because everybody had their jobs that normally would kind of fit in here and here and there. But then it was, you know, trying to get folks covered ground. And so a um, lot of a lot of convoying around, too. Mm-hmm. And when you were over there at that time, uh, obviously, things were pretty tense, um, I believe. But uh, is it was that the case? Was it tense the whole time or was there time, uh, you know, to get that? camaraderie and obviously the camaraderie would be there, but you know, to kind of hang out for, yeah. for some parts of it, or was it pretty tense every day you were there? Uh, no, it was, uh, it depended on, you know, the first part, it was actually, you know, right after that invasion there, it, it, it was a lull, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was the whole, you know, president Bush mission accomplished and, and, uh, you know, the new government coming in the provisional government. And, and I think, you know, we had a really good reception. And so there wasn't as much uh, tension at that point. Um, I think the Iraqis were very happy to have us there. Um, of course, they've only ever known rulers, right? Rulers and kings. And, and so, I, you know, I think a lot of them thought George Bush was going to be their next dictator, right? Um, mm. And just assumed that he would provide and that would be good and everything would move on. Well, then, of course, uh, when they disbanded the Iraqi army and uh, all of a sudden it was like, whoa. You know, they're, they want a big livelihood for a lot of folks uh, that were in the army. Um, and then with the bath party and, and as things kind of infrastructure wise started deteriorating, if you will, uh, then there was a lot of civilians that started turning to the other side. And that's when things started getting tenser was in fall, um, October ish, right around Ramadan uh, of 03. And so, no, I mean, man, we, we definitely had high op tempo. Um, it's, but it was funny, like any, any service, anywhere, you're going to have a high op tempo for, you could have it for a week or two straight. And then you're back at base camp or you, you get to go out to the fob or, and just kind of relax for a day or two. And so, yeah, we got, we got plenty of, uh, we got plenty of card playing a lot of sheep's head. Oh, let's see. That's what uh, I was going to ask. What are the things you do when, you know, was it euchre more or sheep's head more? Or, first uh, of all, what kind of guy are you specifically? You euchre uh, or sheep's head? Me personally, I'm a euchre. Okay. Okay. So I'm personally a sheep's head guy. So just, just so you know, it it doesn't mean we can't still be friends though. Okay. (laughs) Well, I hope not. not. But yeah, some of those sheep's head games though, because that was the thing. If we had, if we, uh, if we had time, we'd start a sheep's head game. But then if we got called out for a mission or something, we'd come back a few days later and there'd still be the scorecard on an MRE (laughs) box, you know, that we've been keeping score on. And, and, uh, but yeah, you know, we found time. You know, we found time to relax. We had, uh, if we were lucky and could get some electricity from generator, you know, we had a little personal, because again, this is, you got to remember, this is pre-iPad, this is pre-iPod, this is between, you know, you know, the music we have was the old Walkman, you know, so you could listen to some, some CDs on. Oh yeah. You got your CD with with the shock protection, you know, so you could bounce it around and wouldn't (laughs) skip on you. Yeah. A little external speaker you plugged in that sounded real nice. But uh, yeah, it's crazy to think it was that long ago, which really doesn't feel that long ago, but just in, in generation technology, it's been, it's been crazy. But yeah, so you know, you had your ups and downs, and like mm-hmm. most units will, most, 
most veterans will tell you there, there could be weeks of just nonstop and then bang, you're quiet for a bit, or you might go the other way around, right? It could be weeks of nothing. And then the monotony kicks in all of a sudden, bang, you're off in something for a few days. So it just depends, right? Just depends. And how do you um, mentally handle the idea that, you know, it could be slow, 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 and then boom, boom, boom. You know, is there something that, is there some sort of tactics that you use to just always be ready to go? Mm, good question. I'm trying to think, uh, trying to think back to that. Uh, just always be at the ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always be at the ready. You know, you want to relax and clear your mind, but the same time your gear and your weapons always sitting right next to you, mm -hmm. um, ready to go. So, but it's important too, to be able to shut off when you can, you know, and then, and then be able to shut it back on quickly or turn it back on quickly, I should say. So, um, yeah, there's no real technique per se. And I'll tell you, I don't know anyone that could keep it on the entire time. You have to shut off from time to time. Um, but normally, right. That was usually in a safer environment. That was not, you know, when you're standing guard duty somewhere, that's not when you're at a checkpoint. That's if you're, you know, back at base camp and you got, you know, a day or two to get a shower and relax and resupply. And that's when you would try to decompress a bit. And then sure. uh, when it was time to go, you went. Yeah. 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 Now, while you were over there, uh, you earned both a Purple Heart and a Combat Action Badge. And, um, so a very genuine, uh, thank you for your service on that. And, You're very welcome. You're very welcome. um, could you explain, uh, to the audience what a combat action badge is? Yes. So with the, with the U S military, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to the army specifically, um, combat action badge was created, uh, in 2004, actually. So prior to that, if you're 11 Bravo, which is infantry, um, uh, MOS, and you were in significant combat um, overseas, you would get what's called a combat infantry badge, so CIB. Um, and typically, right up until the wars of 9-11, it was the vast majority of times those engaging in combat were infantry. And uh, obviously, we all know the wars have changed, the face of the wars have changed. And so with, with the new wars here, we're, you've seen a lot of IED attacks. You've seen a lot of, there's no front line, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's everywhere at any time. And so you've got all kinds of different uh, MOSs, if you will, military occupational specialty that we're engaging in combat. Um, and, you know, the enemy doesn't know who's infantry and who's, you know, combat engineer, who's a cook, who's, you know, who's truck driver. And so um, for those that were, saw, uh, saw combat, overseas, they created the combat action badge. And so um, that goes to a non-infantry MOS who saw enough combat to, or was in a combat situation uh, enough times engaged with the enemy to receive that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so when you go through something like that and you come back, what were, what was the difficult thing um, for you personally if there was a difficult thing about uh, coming back to the U.S. after uh, being in Iraq? Uh, I think it was, I didn't know at the time, right? Because the first couple of years, even the first couple of years, I say years now, uh, was a bit of a honeymoon phase, right? Mm. You're home, you're happy, it's just good to be back. 
Um, you know, I was single when I went over, um, met my now wife about six months after I got home and it was just life is good. Right. And, uh, you know, you're starting to think, okay, some guys were going back to school. Some guys like myself already been to school and now I was, okay, where do I want to end up? Uh, do I want to get back into law? Do I want to do something else? And so there was a kind of transition there. Once you figured that out and got settled in, all of a sudden it was, there was this big void, right? You didn't, you didn't have a mission anymore within the war still going on. Uh, you didn't see a lot of the people you served with, right? That you spent so much time with. It was almost like, I want to say it was almost like a drug that was withdrawn from you. Hmm. And, and, I, and I, I feel that a lot of guys, if they don't have the support around them or somebody to talk with about it or a group like the VFW or a good you know, supporter friends and family, and even then sometimes they can't do it, right? Because they're not military to fill that gap. But um, the purpose, I think losing that purpose um, really hits guys hard. It hit me hard. And, and that's when I dove into the VFW. Mm. Uh, I really did. It, 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 it gave another purpose, right? Um, I wasn't serving on a battlefield anymore, but I was serving in my community and helping fellow veterans and the community, right? And so that helped get me over that hump a bit and, uh, and to move forward and, and to stay engaged. That's really an interesting point of that. The, you know, a lot of folks I would imagine who go into the military have that, that desire to serve, to serve, to serve. And then when that very structural thing and that mission uh, that you're given goes away, you're, you're kind of on your own and you got to find your way. And uh, is, is that difficult uh, for some men and women when everything is so structured in the military and then coming out and there's not as much structure and you've got to like find it? Is, is that a, a difficult thing to do to... You know, so for me, it wasn't as much of an issue because, you know, I was fortunate and I was kind of the anomaly, if you will, where I'd already done college, I'd already done law school, I was already completed law school. Um, and so I knew, right, when I got home, I had a pretty good path ahead of me that I just needed to basically get back into and then hope, you know, to, to follow, if you will. Um, and so I kind of already had a structure in mind um, regarding the civilian side of the house. But you're right in the fact that, you know, people, some guys, you know, if this was the, their active duty was all they ever knew. And now they've come back from their tour. They're getting out of the military or tours, multiple tours. And when they make that transition, you're right. That's a very good point. There's a structure there that that's all they've ever known, especially, you know, you go in when you're 18, get out at 24, let's say you've done a couple of tours. You, you, do you go to school? You know, what do you do for work? Um, you know, you've always kind of had that right put to you. And so, um, yeah, and that's where a lot of good educational assistance guidance can come in. Um, talking with other veterans as to what they did. Uh, but that structure, you make a good point. You know, that's missing that too. It can be, it can be hard. Yeah. And, and do you have advice? There are a lot of veterans in the audience, too. Do you have any advice for them who are kind of looking for maybe that structure? And, and you just mentioned a couple, but um, anything else? Uh, you know, reach out to your to your uh, platoon mates, right? Reach out to your buddies, see what they're doing. Talk to 
your local, I just, you know, talk to your local BFW, talk to your local American agent, talk to, you know, find a, a riding group, right? I, one thing that I've seen has been great too, is I myself as a Purple Heart recipient, uh, have been wounded over there, as you mentioned in Iraq. Um, you know, I got into, I'm a big Harley rider. And it was one of the first, that was actually a big thing for me when I got home, um, was I had ridden Hondas and other things, street bikes, you know, before I went over to Iraq. And I come home, right? I'm 27 years old. I'm single. And, you know, what's a, what's a good single guy do with money in the bank, right? <laughs> Get to Harley, folks. A big hog. Get the hog. <laughs> <laughs> what kind did you get? Uh, at that time, I bought an 04 uh, Road King. Road King Classic. Nice. Yeah. yeah was I it customized that. at all? or, yeah. or was, Oh, yeah. What would you do to it? So I had... Uh, Oh, that one, I had new radio put on. I had different handlebars put on. I had uh, different pipes put on, of course, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and then before I could do any more, I met my now wife. And uh, <laughs> and we got married. And that's where it all stops. No more chrome pipes for you, sir. No. <laughs> well, actually, I'll take that back. I'll, uh, I'll actually clarify on that a bit. Is she yeah, you better before you get me. yourself in trouble. Right, right. Uh, no, she's been great on that. And uh, actually ended up going into an ultra classic in 08 so that she could go on tour with me more. Um, nice. But, uh, you know, also, though, too, I don't like having that trunk on all the time. So I've got that where I can take that on and off. I put my bars on. I had a ton of paintwork done to the bags. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, I got a setting of a desert setting in Iraq and flags. And um, I've been riding that one since uh, since then. And, Got seventy-two thousand miles on it now. So Ooh, that is quite. So, and you ride with with the group. Where what, what's yeah, so, what's going on with that? Where do you get? Where yeah, do you go? It, and you bet. So, Purple Heart Riders, Wisconsin chapter. Um, I started them after being. I was on a Rolling Thunder in D.C. back in fifteen, and I met some of the guys who started that from New Hampshire. And they said uh, they hadn't had a Wisconsin chapter yet. I said I'm in. So, found the guys here in the state. And we've been just, you know, slowly building, right? Thankfully, there's only so many of us, right? Um, and and especially those then who ride and getting guys together, you know, half of us are Vietnam vets, other half are post 9-11. We get together as much as we can. Sometimes it's just a day ride in the state. Um, but a lot of it's focused on helping, you know, other veterans, helping veterans causes. Uh, you know, we raised over the last couple of years, I should say from 17 to 19, we raised 20 grand to give to Hogs for Heroes of Wisconsin, which is another nonprofit here. They're great uh, out of Madison. They literally raise 20 grand and give it out. Every dollar that comes in, 100% goes out to buy a new Harley for an injured veteran and uh, getting them back on the road, you know. And so we've been having a lot of fun with that. And we'll, we try to take it to where we've been out to Rolling Thunder. We've been, uh, we're going to go down to North Carolina next week, a little R&R, &R, uh, just a group and, you know, get up to a cabin up in the mountains and just have that platoon, you know, squad feel uh, of camaraderie and getting together. And it's great. That'll be awesome. I, I used to live down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina for about, oh, yeah. about a year and a half. And I remember that drive from Wisconsin to uh, South Carolina and you go through North Carolina and the Smoky Mountains and everything. That's beautiful. That's got to be an awesome ride. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be, hopefully the weather holds out for us and 
and we'll be uh, we'll be enjoying that. So yeah, well, yeah, pack I mean, your umbrella just in case. You know it rains. Okay, you gotta yeah. be. You know, do you have an umbrella <laughs> holder on your Harley? I hope so. Okay. Yeah, it's an automatic one. I just push a button and it comes out. You know, <laughs> it's like the penguin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, and so you've got this, and then there are a bunch of other initiatives that the VFW is doing, including uh, this van. Can yes. you uh, dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. So I am pleased to, today is actually the official announcement of this, Charlie. So I appreciate you. Is, it's, is this a scoop? Do we, I, do we have a Cripescast scoop. scoop right here? You've got the Cripescast scoop. I love uh, it. Yeah. So uh, there's a Vietnam veteran, two tours. Uh, Lonnie Grout, he uh, lives, uh, well, he did live just outside of Oregon here where I'm from. And his nephew is a good friend of mine, another Purple Heart vet. Uh, Lonnie had just, uh, he was severely disabled uh, due to his service and needed a wheelchair and a lot of assistance. And so he bought, him and his wife bought a 2018 Chrysler Pacifica, uh, new. And then with some help from the VA, they had it fully accommodated. Uh, so you can get in and out of the wheelchair. He can drive it, right? Somebody with a prosthetic can drive it. Um, so, I mean, it's got all the bells and whistles for a severely disabled vet to be independent, to be able to get around on their own, uh, for their family to help them, right, with different equipment. Um, and Maggie, his wife, uh, you know, with Lonnie, unfortunately, they got this van already, and then he came down with cancer. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, likely due to Agent Orange. Right. And um, so he he passed just recently, earlier this year, and um, she wanted to donate. it. She wanted to have another you know, severely disabled veteran be able to use it, have that freedom. And so she has donated it to the VFW Foundation, Wisconsin VFW Foundation, which is our C3. And we are going to give that away. We are going to put the application process is going to probably start. It's going to open here. Uh, right after Labor Day, so next week, for anybody who's interested, keep an eye on our website, which is uh, vfwwi.org. Real easy there. Um, application process on there. And, uh, you know, we're looking to give it to, to someone in the state who can use it, you know, use it real, really use it for their, uh, for their needs for getting around. Uh, might not be able to, you know, have some financial uh, need requirement there, right? So, um, you know, somebody who can really put this to use, carry on the legacy of this Vietnam vet. And uh, we're just thrilled to do it. So that application will start next week. And we're hoping to have it uh, closed early November. Maybe we'll put the date on there specifically, but uh, give it away around Veterans Day. What, so. a, what a very cool way to honor uh, not just his legacy, but also, you know, another uh, veteran. And, and how important is that? independence that ability to be independent for a, a wounded uh, veteran oh you, you you can't describe it right it's because you know there's you've seen you've seen so many guys and gals for that matter who you know they've been so they've been a badass right they've been a badass and all of a sudden not only are they not able to do what they used to be able to do well, now they're, they feel like they're a burden on their family, their friends, whoever's taking care of them or helping them out, right? And so, you know, they want to they get that independence, not only for themselves, but also, you know, I don't want to be a burden. You don't want to be a burden on anybody. And so it's so important to be able to, something like this, to be able to get around on your own, to be able to do what you need to do. Uh, that adds a lot of pride back to you, 
into someone, you know? So, so in addition to yeah, your role at the VFW, you're also a working lawyer and uh, you do a lot of work for veterans. Can you dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm an attorney with a law firm of Weston Dunn and we're based out of Wanakee. We have an office in Two Rivers and then down here in Oregon. And, um, you know, it was a firm that I just actually recently became a part of a little over a year ago. Uh, due to their focus on veterans issues. Um, Travis West, who started it, he's a former Army Ranger, Iraq, Afghanistan. Shauna Dunn, who's the, of the other part of Weston Dunn, you know, she's the daughter of a Vietnam veteran. And, you know, so we, we do a lot of veterans disability and compensation appeals, both within the VA, but also with the uh, Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims out in Washington, which is kind of where you end up on the court side of things after you've gone and exhausted everything within the VA. And, and it's important that, you know, people know that because, you know, a lot of guys, if they manage to apply for their benefits, you know, which I encourage everyone, if you haven't get to your local County veteran service officer or get to the VFW service office, American Legion, all the veterans groups have free, you know, can help you apply for those benefits. Uh, when you get denied um, at some point, and you know how complex what's going on. Sometimes the service offices will say, you know what, go speak with a, a claims rep or a attorney who can help you with that. That's what we've been doing a lot with. We've had a lot of success with that. Doesn't cost the veteran anything. Um, and, you know, we, we really pride ourselves on that, but also in anything that a veteran's doing, right? You want to start your own business, you got an idea for a nonprofit. You know, we Weston Dunn, we, we make sure to uh, offer a discount for veterans upwards, you know, upwards of 20 percent a lot of times where we just want to want to help our fellow vets succeed. Right. You know, Travis and I, especially and Shauna with your dad. And, and uh, you know, we got another veteran on board and it's just a great, great place to be a part of. And that's uh, great. So I encourage, like I said, thank you for asking that because it's important. Everybody should get out, get applied for for your disability you earn it right it's not a handout you earned it and i you know and i explain that to guys and and when again when i say guys that's very gender neutral i want you to know that because i got a great uh, chief of staff who's a female and she keeps me in line on those things so um you know we it's not an entitlement think of it as this way right if you were working on a scaffolding and you fell and broke your back right people have no problem saying you're going to have some long-term disability there. You're going to have some workers' compensation there, right? Nobody has a problem with that. But for, you know, but for some reason, guys are too proud to go get their VA benefits. It's the same thing. It's the federal mm-hmm. government's workers' comp and disability plan for those who serve in the military, right? So, And is it tough for some people to get uh, those benefits? Or is there like a lot of red tape there? Is that historically a difficult thing? Yes, Yes. And is that, is there a reason for that? Is that a government situation? Are these a bunch of questions you can't answer for political reasons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no, I got no problem talking about that side of things. So, you know, it's important, you know, before I mention that, it's important to say that the VA, a lot of misconceptions too, is that people think, you know, when guys are waiting on these benefits and they're getting denied, they're getting denied, they're getting denied. There's two, there's two separate sides. There's the benefit side of the house and then there's the health side of the house, right? And, you know, generally the health side can, is pretty good. You know, that's your healthcare practitioners. That's your doctors. That's your nurses, right? 
they, they're not working uh, there necessarily just because they need a job. They want to be there. They want to help vets. Uh, it's that benefit side, right, Charlie? It's, it's the insurance side. And not unlike a lot of insurance companies, they're going to look at this and try to figure they can deny enough times you might go away. Um, if you appeal it, it can take up to a year or two, right, to get, it, to get an answer. And so a lot of, a lot of veterans will get frustrated with that and, and give up. Um, and they need to know that there's, there's representatives out there, both in the service office realm, but also in the legal realm that will help them at no charge. So the, the, I guess the best thing to do is just, you know, you fought, you fought long enough uh, in the military. And then, so just fight for what you're, what you earned. Yeah. And I imagine the mental, um, well, I just know this with taxes and stuff, you know, it's such a pain in the ass to fill your stuff out. And then it's like, great, you don't owe this tax or that tax. And it's like, perfect. Two months later, you get a thing that says you owe these taxes. And you're like, no, I don't. You dispute them. But just that whole back and forth, if I do it personally, I know that I get frustrated. And so I and that has nothing to do with anything I did for the country. You know what I mean? This is just a tax. So I would assume if you tie that to like, I already I gave so much. Can't you give me this? I would imagine it would be a heck of a lot better to just Give that to you. Give that to someone who's trained in it. Let them handle it. That can take so much off. And like, you know, don't think about this for a year. We'll get it taken care of eventually. Though. Exactly. And especially, too, when, you know, when you get denied, the VA is not saying, you know, real. they're not telling you your denial letter is not real easy to read. It's not, hey, Bill, you're not getting compensation for your knee injury because we don't think you fell down. Right. No, it's it's well. It sure says here that you were hurt in combat or you were hurt while on service, right? It doesn't have to be in combat, but you were hurt while on active duty. However, your knee doesn't quite fit code, you know, CFR 177.2. And then over here, and right? You right. Know, it's the legal thing that everybody's like doing their job and their jobs, in that case, a huge pain in the ass for people who have served. So mm-hmm. best to just detach from it, give it to you and, and, you know, see what you can do with it. You got it. it. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, you're, I don't know when you sleep because you're doing so much here, including a uh, safari. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Another scoop for you today, Charlie. Uh, Double scoop, scoop, double scoop. This this better than the Culver's double scoop Sundays. I got to bring those back. What do we got? Those. So uh, my uh, every year, VFW state commander and, and just about every state has to kind of pick a special project. Um, I'm mixing mine up this year. It's going to be uh, applications be coming out uh, probably in the next. We'll, we'll open her up here. I'll let you know. I'll get you put that out. Uh, but we're going to do a safari. We're going to work with a good friend of mine from off the grid, um, off the grid photography and off the grid hunting. He, uh, Ryan Baldwin, he uh, is a Marine vet, Iraq vet. And um, he uh, has an agreement with the Rafiki Safaris over in South Africa. And we're going to send uh, four combat vets over there for a safari in summer of 22. Uh, we're going to spend this year raising the money to do so. Um, we're hoping to raise, you know, 20,000, We'll cover all expenses for all, for all the veterans to get over there. Uh, we'll, we'll have the applications open until May. You know, join the VFW, apply for this. It's open to all generations, right? We're not going to discriminate, man. You know, our Vietnam guys are just as worthy of doing something like this as the Iraq guys. So 
Um, we encourage everybody to take a look at that and, and come have some fun with us. I think it's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I appreciate you letting me announce that today. Yeah, no, that, that is very cool. Very cool thing for you to do. Filmed, photographed uh, by Ryan. So it'll be documented so you can rub it into your kids and grandkids and whoever you want to. And, Honestly, that's what this all, it's all about what you can put on your Instagram and Facebook pages when all said and done. Who are we kidding here? Okay. Uh, listen, before I let you go, um, I got a gift that I give to uh, everyone who comes on the Cripes cast. And uh, I know that you, you like to be on the water fishing. Okay. I know you like to throw a line in the water. All right. Yeah, right. So um, I, I got you something right from my tackle box. Okay. Oh. Yeah, look at this. Okay, this is a jitterbug. Okay, listen to it jitter. Okay, oh, now man. this is not only a jitterbug, it also has a tadpole um, thing on. And I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you right now, Jason. Um, I found this on a log. Okay, I found it on a log, uh, submerged log in Lake Winnebago when I was walking out. Uh, to get the dock in. Okay. So I was okay. walking out to get the dock and there was a submerged log. This was on it. Okay. Yet there's no rust on it. So, you know, it was a freshly lost jitterbug. Okay. And I looked at this jitterbug, this jitterbug. And I, you know, I says to myself, I just says, you know, who needs this um, more than anybody is the commander Jason Johns at the VFW of Wisconsin. Okay. So hey, this hey. is for you. Um, I'm going to mail it to you. And I All hope right. the, I hope the post office uh, gets it to you. Um, no promises on that. Okay. No promises. Right. But I hope this catches you a bass, sir. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Do you have any advice to uh, veterans who are uh, just getting out of the service, uh, sort of looking to maybe walk in your footsteps and do what you've done or slash and for somebody who's thinking about joining the service? Do you have any advice for those two groups of people? Um, you know what? Don't, don't be afraid to serve. All right. And don't feel like, you know, don't feel like you're, you're, you're not worthy to serve because every, every American that, that, you know, makes that choice to serve is, is definitely making the choice to kind of, tie into history, tie into our legacy, tie into preserving all the freedoms we have. And uh, so, you know, I'm never going to push anybody to serve. I'm never going to judge anybody that didn't serve. But know that when you do, no matter what happens, you're going to have a life-changing experience for the better, in my opinion. Um, you're going to have your ups and downs, but so does life, right? And uh, you always have this, uh, this badge to do so. So, you know, but think it through, make sure it's the right decision for you. Um, and, uh, whatever you do with it, have fun, make some memories. So. I love it. I love it. And then for, uh, the folks who are out and about, uh, and, you know, kind of looking for, uh, something to do post-service, any, any recommendations? I know you mentioned a couple, but mm -hmm. anything you didn't mention before. Uh, -huh. uh use that GI bill, mm -hmm. use the post 9-11 GI bill. Use your state's educational assistance. Uh, there are so many more opportunities now than there's ever been to have your education paid for. And again, one of those things you've earned, right? Uh, I wish, you know, I'd gone to school before 9-11. Um, and so, you know, my student loans just got paid off not too long ago. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, please use them. Uh, they're there. 
And that's going to help you, you know, if you're, if you're lost, if you get home and you're just not sure what you want to do next, uh, man, go to school for free, figure it out. Right. And, and if you don't figure it out you, and you might go to school, you might go to, you might end up going to an undergrad and going, you know what? I actually want to work with my hands. Well then go use, go use that GI Bill to tech school, get a trade, you know? And, uh, that's a lot of misconceptions too. People think you got to go to college with that GI Bill. You don't. You know, if you want to go get that certification or specialization in whatever trade, you can. And so, you know, just use it. It's there. Um, and don't be afraid to, to call or ask somebody about it or stop by a service office and, and explore your options. There's not, there's not just one, two, or three. There's infinite opportunities for you there and benefits that you've earned. So go find them and go do them. Awesome. Well, that's uh, great advice. And I really appreciate you uh, joining me today. Uh, a lot of great things. We will uh, link to them. And um, uh, also, where is a good spot for people to find any of this if they forgot it? You got it. So I'll remind you again. That, well, first off, you find it with Charlie, right? Because we're going to be working a lot together. And I can't wait to keep having you... Uh, well, supporting us the way you have and supporting the troops and supporting veterans and just all the things you're doing. So, you know, keep following Charlie, keep following Matt's Walkman and keep following the Cripes cast. You're going to hear more things about, uh, you know, what we're up to together here in Wisconsin. Uh, but for the VFW website, you can hit www.vfwwi.org. And we also have our Facebook page, which is Wisconsin VFW. So, we do a lot of uh, communicating on there as well. Awesome. So, folks, make sure you follow all of them things. Okay. They're working on their Instagram. That'll come soon here. But for right now, the Facebook, the website, and keep her moving and watch out for deer. Okay. Real good. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you go visit www.vfwwi.org to get more information. And you can also follow me on social media and I will be uh, tweeting out the work that we're going to be doing with the VFW over the next few months. So thank you all for listening uh, to the Cripes Cast again. Keep her moving and hey, watch out for deer. Okay. I mean it. I mean it. And does anyone have extra rhubarb in their garden? Ask him for a friend. Okay. Bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down, just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin, the Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you gotta keep her moving. <laughs>